Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Matthew 13, 52, 13, 52. Here's our, our core verse. I intended for my go messages, generosity, opportunity, do you know, to be two weeks, but I really felt compelled to continue on. So it's turning to go. <laughs> it's like three O's now. And if I could find an A and an L, we would go there. But anyways, we're moving on in March. But we're talking today, still staying in line with our go messages. What I believe God has impressed upon my heart for Tree of Life. Again, not just for 2020. It's a positioning. It's a first root. It's a getting things set in order for the decade. We're really being intentional um, with what we're doing, not just projects or things. You heard things a couple weeks ago. We talked about um, opportunities are there for us as we're looking at an all-inclusive playground. So uh, we believe, amen, we believe kids need to play and kids need to play all together, not excluding anybody. And so we're looking at things like the, the bathrooms that are needed for other facility usage, et cetera, et cetera. So, but also felt compelled to just share what I felt in my heart, again, for this next decade, setting us up this year and reaching people that don't look like us, act like us, reaching an emerging generation. And if we're not intentional in doing that, we'll miss them and we'll lose our relevancy and effectiveness and we'll be off mission. We don't want to do that. Here's what I believe. I believe that our mandate from God never changes. It has never changed in 38 and a half years. It never will. I believe our message from God never changes. It will last for an eternity and never grows old. But I believe our methods do change from time to time. Amen. Amen. And so we need to be wise about that as the Holy Spirit leads us and how to connect with these emerging generations and change a culture and society and still maintain our stand for truth. Amen. Still believe who we are and we can do that without compromising no matter what the world says, no matter about political correctness or whatever it looks like. And so that's, that's what we're doing, positioning ourselves. Today, I think that the way to kind of wrap this up, if you will, and we've talked about reaching an emerging generation, uh, the over 40, reaching the younger 40. We talked about saying, bringing back the Bible. In fact, I called last week, bring the Bible back. Today's title of my message really is something that it has to be a constant. It is something that has to be alive and operating in our lives, especially in a changing culture, new generations emerging, and that is the power of God is still the power of God, and he is alive, and he still is powerful, and he's still doing miracles, and he's still working, and we believe in the power of God in this church, and him operating in our hearts and lives, not just in here, but especially out there. And so the power of God is really the thing that helps separate uh, the message of Jesus from any other philosophy, any other religion out there. God is alive and he's a God of power. It's not a dead religion. He's not a dead God. And he's still moving and working in and through his people today. And our church needs to be marked by the power of God, not just the word of God. Amen. And so that's what, our, that's what I want to bring to you this morning as we look at Uh, setting ourselves up. We want to lean in this year like never before, press in like never before as a church, as families, as individuals into the presence and power of God. And we can do it where it's not weird or goofy. We can do it where it's not man-made and I don't agree with all that. We can do it where it's genuine and real and authentic. Amen. And that's what everybody, no matter what generation you're from, is looking for especially the emerging generation. They, don't, they, they challenge the authority and validity of the Bible. Why should I believe that? They, they, cha- they challenge the, the validity and necessity of, of churches. They, they challenge uh, uh, if there even is a God or, or is there only one road that leads to heaven. But you know what cannot be challenged is an outpouring of power. A miracle cannot be denied, amen? 
And so God's still in the miracle working business today. He has not closed up shop. And we believe that. We've always believed that. We continue to do that. And so we want to take a look uh, this morning. As I said, Matthew 13, 52, he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out his treasure things that are new and fresh and things that are old and familiar, new and fresh and old and familiar. We're a church that believes that we all can work together, the new and fresh and the old and familiar to continue to be on mission and change this world. One thing I want to emphasize, it's not in place of, the new and fresh is not in place of the old and familiar. And I think that's been the fallacy, that's the tension in church today. It's like the old people don't matter anymore, the old people think the young people are just immature and don't get it and lazy and all that kind of stuff. But I believe there's a Bible shows us that we can work together, need to work together. That's where it works best when we're working together. And I think especially in this topic today, not just the Bible topic, but today, today's topic of the power of God, because it seems like previous generations have seen greater outpourings of God. God's working in different ways. God's still working. But listen, the old and familiar really knows what it is to see the power of God. Amen. And so we need the old and familiar especially to have groups, group link today. We need the old and familiar to have groups that help explain and express and engage the power of God to the new and fresh. So we need to have those times, those moments of faith and expectation. We need to have those prayers. We need to have those declarations uh, that just really engage us in the power of God, especially the old and familiar, helping bring up mentor, spiritual father, mother, the new and fresh, especially when it comes to understanding the power and presence of God. And that's what we want to make sure that we're doing and setting ourselves up for this next year and decade. Um, The power of God or the supernatural. And I I wrote the word supernatural because I think that's the word that we have a problem with. We believe that God's a powerful God, or, or hopefully you do, that there's a power greater than yourself. But supernatural gets a little weird, gets a little goofy and spooky. And, then, and I'm like you, and I'll, movies coming out are more and more supernatural, but more like evil supernatural or whatever. You turn on the TV, you see TV shows called The Supernatural, and you think it might be about God, but it's not. <laughs> and, you, and you look at all the programming. There's a, do, you, do you realize there's an increase of all that? And you know what I believe is? I believe it's a desperate cry from an emerging generation wanting, knowing that there's something greater than themselves, wanting th- to know what a real supernatural presence is. I mean, it doesn't like make me like, wow, this is getting more and more evil. It is. The Bible says it will. But to me, it's getting, the generation is getting more and more desperate for the real, amen, the real supernatural, which is God. And so uh, we as a church need to make sure that that still stays alive. So we're bringing back, if you will, the power of God, not that it's left this place, but in society and in culture and in this emerging generation. And so we cannot get away from the fact that God is, is more than just a, a message that we preach. God is more than just a, an idea that, or a philosophy. God is, is a real God full of real power, and it takes his power to change our life. It takes his power to, to change our life forever. And so God comes with power to change our lives. This church is taught, believes, and operate, and will, and has in the power of God. In fact, that is why we're here 38 and a half years later as a church. It is not just about the message we preach, although that is important. It is not about having a good service, although we strive to do it. It is not about the message delivered or the praise and worship, although we believe God is always there. It's not about the property that we're on, which is a blessing, the great sign that we'll have for 125,000 people. It is not about the programs that we have for the kids and the, and the teens and the men and the women, the marriage groups and outreach and missions. It's about the power of God because the power of God is what changes a life forever. Amen. Those things come together to create environments, create moments 
for you and I to connect with the power of God. And not just in here, because not only we connect with the power of God, we're empowered by the power of God to take the power of God out beyond these four walls into our everyday life. And I am asking in this last message in our series is before we move on, I'm asking all of you that call Tree of Life home to press in this year. Press in, lean in this first year with me into the presence and power of God. What would it be like if we already come prayed up? What would it be like if we already came extending our faith? What would it be like before we got out of our car if we are already on the way here instead of griping at the other drivers of speaking to me and declaring that God is a good God and he's going to show up in power today and he's going to touch everybody present and he's going to change lives forever and nobody's going to leave like they came in. What would that be like? We're going to find out. Amen. We're going to press in. We're going to have moments like that. We're going to have healing times and, and we're going to have worship times and prayer times and all that in our first fruit year, especially. So Matthew 10, one, let's start right there. Here we go. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them, what's that next word? He gave them what? He gave them what? He didn't just give them a good word. He didn't just give them something to say that's going to really bless people. He didn't just give them a, a pep talk on how to, I mean, how to love on people and how to forgive. He gave them power. He gives his people power for a reason, not just another good religion. He gave him power. Power of what for? Because there's unclean spirits that need to be cast out because there's healings that need to happen of all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. We need to bring the power back in a greater measure to the to our society and culture today instead of society and culture continue to cause churches and people to compromise or try and blend in or fit in. It's not what we're about. He gave us power to walk in. And then when Jesus, before he left, the very last words while he was on on the planet, he lived for 33 years. He went to the cross. He paid for our sins. Three days in the grave, resurrection power brought him back. Walked the earth for 40 days, popping in and out of walls and doors and just having fun with people. And he went to the top of the Mount of Olives. And at the top of the Mount of Olives is before he ascended. If you can just picture this picture and the top of the Mount of Olives looking down at the bottom of the Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane. Across the Kidron Valley, Valley then is Jerusalem. Jesus at the top of the Mount of Olives before he ascended to heaven. He said this, last words. I've been here 40 days. I was resurrected and I've been here 40 days. Time for me to go to heaven. Oh, hey, on his way up. Hey, by the way, hey, hey, by the way, hey, hey, I got one more thing to say to you. I want you to hear me before I go. I want you to hear me before I leave. He says this in Acts 1.8. Here's what he says to them. He says, but you will receive power. You'll receive what? Hey, before I go to my father, all my followers forever to come, you will receive power power for a purpose. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. In other words, I didn't come here just to give you great stories to tell people on Sunday morning. I didn't just give you great Sunday school lessons that kids will remember for the rest of their life, hopefully. We're not on the planet just to talk about the stuff he did. We're on the planet to experience it, walk in it, and take it to a lost and hurting world. Power. He's saying, I want Christianity. I want my followers to be different than all the other religions of the world, to be different than the people in the world, because I'm giving you power. Look at what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5. Apostle Paul, speaking... In 1 Corinthians, here's what he writes to in in chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. He says this, 
I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. The Apostle Paul was one of the most educated, learned men on the planet. If there's anybody that could present a point of view or a message in a logical way that people would understand and perhaps even want to uh, abide by, it would be him. But he's standing in front of people and he's saying this. If you guys could go back for a second, please. He's saying this. I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. You know what he's implying there? He's implying, I know the words that I have to say today really aren't going to change your life. I know that you sitting out there in front of me are facing all kinds of things. I know you're facing difficulties in your family. I know some of you have lost your job. I know some of you have been diagnosed with a doctor with some terminal disease. I know some of you have been hurt and broken. I know some of you are depressed. I know some of you, there's all you could do to be here today. You know what he's saying? He's like, I, I, the words that I have to speak don't even seem like enough knowing what you have to deal with in your life. And he goes on to say this in verse four, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but what were they with? A demonstration of the Spirit's power. He says, I'm not here to try and give you a speech or give you a talk for you to buy in and say, okay, yeah, I'll go along with that. Because with what you have in life, he goes, I'm giving you the opportunity to connect with the power of God because it is what makes the difference in your life. Not just the message that we bring, but the power of God that comes with to back the message up. And it's no different today. I can stand up here and say exactly the same thing. The apostle Paul said, because I know the words that I say today aren't the things that can make a difference in your life. I'm glad that you're here today. Thank you for coming out today. But without the power of God, our lives don't change like God intends for them to change. We need the power of God in every area of our life. We don't need another good message. We need his power and presence to back up the word. And some of you, some of you are so desperate. You've heard message after message after message, and you need to experience the real power of God. And that is why we gather. Otherwise, we should just stay home and watch somebody on the internet. And if you can't come, that's no, you know, come when you can. <laughs> Thank God for the internet, however. And I, hey, the power of God can work through your internet, too. We'll say that, right? Come on, right? All right, there we go. Right. And think about that one before I said it. <laughs> there was a story of a blind man receiving a sight on the Sabbath, the day you weren't supposed to do anything. The religious crowd came to the man that had just received the power of God and and they said to him, what, what happened? And he said, I, man, I received my sight. And who was it that prayed for you? I don't know this man. Some say he's the son of God. And well, what do you say? Did he say he was the son of God? Do you say he's the son of God? And the blind man who just received his sight through the power of God said, I don't know if he's the son of God or not. But I, what I do know is I was blind and now I'm not. I don't really care who he is. I don't understand it. And it really doesn't matter to me on what day it happened. I was blind and now I'm not. It has changed my life. All I care is the power of God has changed my life forever. And I may never understand that. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to understand all there is about the power of God. I don't understand. All I know is he comes to change lives. And I don't know how, what, where, when, or why, but he does. And I trust him with it. And that's how we have to live our life. I want to be that church. I want to be that church. Now, we work hard here to present all this to you, everything that you see and experience. We work really hard to present everything we possibly can to you. We want it to be appealing to you. We want you to connect with it. We have a plan to make it all happen, and we work really hard on that plan. 
But in order for your life to be changed, all that has to happen is the presence and power of God needs to be attached to everything we do. Because this isn't about you coming in and leaving the same. It's about coming, you coming in and being changed in Jesus' name. And it's the power of God that changes us. I'm thankful for everything that we do, and I appreciate hundreds of volunteers every Sunday that make it happen and countless hours to put it all together. But let's just be quite honest with you. All that's great, all that's wonderful, but we need then the power of God to show up and support and perform his word in our life. Amen? Paul says it this way in Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. He says this in verse uh, 17. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of revelation so that you may know him better, know him better. I said, I keep asking that you get the spirit. If you can go back, guys, I keep asking that you get the spirit, uh, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What he's saying is, I want you to see and experience who he really is. I want it to be revealed to you, which means I want you to have an experience with the power of God. Therefore, then you will know him better or the better you know him, the more you will experience him. So Paul's saying is you need to come and have an experience. You need to feel him and see him. You need to see it for yourself. You need to believe it. It needs to be a real relationship with you. And Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with a very real, personal, powerful God who can change your life. And then he goes on to say this in verse 18. I pray that you'll have the power of God and it will open the eyes, that you have the power of God to open the eyes of your heart that they may be enlightened. Now listen to this for a second. He prays, you know Jesus, you know God. You're going to heaven one day and sure you love him and wanna serve him all the days of your life. Absolutely, you're going to heaven, you love Jesus, but you know as well as I do, when we give our heart to Jesus and we love him and we're going to heaven one day, sometimes, most of the time, we can still have some darkness in our heart. And he says, you need the power of God to enlighten your heart because it's not enough just to have a changed life and then say, okay, I'm going to try better, God. I want to live better, God, because you have hurts and you have brokenness still in your life. And some of us still in that moment still have addictions and we still have bonded. Oh yeah, we're saved and going to heaven and we love Jesus, but we still got some of this earth and some of this bondage, sin and addiction and sickness stuff that needs to get out of our heart. And the only thing Paul is saying that will enlighten your heart is the power of God. We need the power of God in our life. Yes, we're saved. Yes, we love Jesus. Yes, we're going to heaven. But then to help enlighten our heart or get the darkness or the hurts and the pains that are real, the bondages and addictions that are still real in our heart and our life, off of our life. It doesn't happen just because you want to live better and do better. You need an encounter with the power of God or you need to press into the power of God. You need a place where you can come and experience the power of God. You need groups where you can go and experience the power of God. You need ways to learn how to operate in the power of God in your home and in your, with your teens and with your kids to enlighten your heart and enlighten their heart. It's the power of God. He said, we need the power of God operating in everyday, our everyday life. So we need to understand how to do that. We need the power of God. It says this, it goes on to say this, I pray that your eyes and your heart may be enlightened in order that you have the power to know the hope to which he's called you. You all are called. I'm not just called, all of you are called. And you need the power of God to know the call on your life. So you just don't live your life randomly. So you just don't live your life without purpose. So you just don't live your life existing or going with the flow. You're not here to go with the flow. You're not here to be random. You're here on purpose with purpose and you need the power of God to help you to help reveal the call of God on your life and then walk it out. 
You're walking out in power. I need the power of God to walk out the call of God on my life. And not just because I stand up here in front of you. You do too, to stay steady and to not quit and to do what you were called to do and not get distracted or not compromise. It takes the power of God to walk in the call of God. And it's operating in our life. And it says, to which he, the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There's an inheritance that you need to have the power of God to inherit. There's an inheritance. I get an inheritance because I'm a child of God. Yes, we all get an inheritance as a child of God. All of us collectively. What is that inheritance? Well, another scripture in Psalms 2 says that our inheritance is the nations. People are inheritance. Influence is our inheritance. We need the power of God and to reach the nations, to reach people and influence, influence people for Jesus. We need the power of God. And the ends of the earth are possessions. In other words, we need the power of God to walk in our inheritance, to go to India, to go to places like Mexico, to reach the lost and hurting here in our community and surrounding us. Our inheritance is out there, but we need the power of God to reach it or to obtain it. You need the power of God in your life operating every day. Have an inheritance influencing people so we can touch people. Let them experience the power of God. It goes on to say, I need to finish this up, verse 19. How do you know I need the power? I'm glad you asked, verse 19. And his incomparably great power is for us who believe. We need his incomparably great power. There is no other power that is equal or that can compare, the Bible says. It only comes from God, so we have to press into him. We have to experience him to experience his great power for us who believe. That's power. Okay, well, what are you talking about, his great power? Okay, I'm glad you asked that too because it says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. There is no greater power than the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And the Bible says it dwells in you. It dwells in you. That's the power. We're people of power. We act like it. We want to reach an emerging generation. All these strategies are great. All these trends to watch and follow. All these things with shifting cultures and societies. All that's great. But without the power of God, it doesn't mean anything. In fact, perhaps the power of God is the only thing that will make sense to them when they question and challenge everything else. Whatever amount of power it took to get Jesus out of the tomb is the same power that got you saved. And it's the same power that keeps you free We need God to move and power every day in our lives. So we need to come together as a church. We need to press in. We need to lean in in this first roots year into the power of God. Bring back the power. So we come together and we read these amazing stories of power and healing and deliverance and people raised from the dead and food being multiplied. And it's amazing. And it's like this great stories that we hear and they're so inspiring. And it's like, it's like, I'm going to use this illustration. It's like going to Israel for the first time. And beforehand, we had no idea. We're reading brochures and it looks great. We're listening to these things and videos. That would be awesome. That's wonderful. And then we go and experience it. It pales in comparison to actually experiencing it. And then we come back and we're telling all of you, Israel's amazing to walk where Jesus walked and to be out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee and experience the things that Jesus experienced and to relive and for it to come to life. It's a, see, here's the problem with the body of Christ. We're content too much with just reading the brochure. We're not content with reading the brochure. It's great to hear about the power of God in the Bible. It's great to see people raise, hear people raised from the dead. It's great to hear the thing. We're not just to read the brochure. We're to go and experience and live it ourselves for ourselves. 
I don't want to be a part of a church which, is, church which is just content to read the brochure and not experience it for ourselves. I want to go there. I want to live there. I want to walk there. I want to operate in it. I want to operate in my life, in your life, and everybody we come in contact with. That's what he's trying to get across to us here. It's amazing stories that we read about God's power. We can know and experience what they're really like. They just don't have to be stories as if we're reading a travel brochure. We can lead people, lead next generations there. Look what Jesus said in John 14. He said this, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes or anyone who believes or has faith in me will do the works that I've been doing and they'll do even greater things than these. It'll pale in comparison. What we can walk in and experience will, will be greater than the brochure that we're reading, the stories that we're hearing. That's what he's talking about here. Anyone who has faith in me, he'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. If you can just believe this, he says, because I'm going, if you can just believe this, if you have this attitude of yes, if you can just say, yes, God, we should be a yes first people. Now, wait a minute. Let me me, hold on a second. Let me see if I understand this correctly. Or maybe, well, I hope to or not. We need to be a yes first people. And can I say this? Because I know, and I don't mean any disrespect in this, but I know there's some people that you've been believing God for things and and maybe healings and things that happened. They didn't happen the way you thought. A a loved one that you'd been believing God for actually went home to be with the Lord. And, And I get, sometimes you wrestle with this idea. And I don't stand up here unknowing some of that. For some of you who do not know, uh, the founding pastor, my father, he died of a massive heart attack uh, 24 and a half years ago. It was on a Wednesday night service, and in that moment, the, the power of God was strong and the spirit was moving, and, and he, he felt led to impress and praise and worship to call people up that needed prayer. 20 people lined the front. He walked down, laid hands on each and every one. One man in particular had, a re, had something really wrong with his leg. He was in so much pain, he needed help to come up, and God instantly healed him in that moment. 30 minutes later, my dad was unconscious at McKenna. Now Chris is at the hospital. Probably not much longer after that, he was in heaven. And we're standing there like, what happened? He just prayed for people to get healed. And all of a sudden now he's in heaven. And, and we were there and we went to the hospital. And I remember being in the, in the hospital room with him there and, and grabbing his hand. And I remember like, all, okay, Lazarus came up from the dead, come forth. And I remember Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. I remember the processional with the, the, the widow lady with her son. And Jesus raised him, they raised from the dead. And, and I'm like, I'm trying to clear my mind, clear any doubt, faith. And I'm trying this and that. And he never moved, he never budged. And I wrestled with that for a little bit and I came to the conclusion, okay, oh well, he's in heaven with God. Man, that's pretty good for him. But I still choose to believe that God is a miracle working God. I still pray like God will raise everybody up from the dead of Beth dead. Deathbed. Doesn't matter. And I'm not trying to be insensitive to people that have experienced that. But you know what? I would rather believe God for a miracle than lay in my sickness and disease. What do I have to lose? Why not? What hope do you have sometimes if not but God? And I would rather put my hope and my trust there and then just live a life just settling for what the world says. And I know one day, whether here on the earth, I'll walk in the fullness of healing and restoration in heaven or on the earth one day. And I'll leave that up to God. And no matter what happens, I will trust God and I will pray. I prayed for people in the hospital. They have gone on to be with the Lord. I prayed for people in the hospital that have walked out. I can't explain it. I'll leave that to God. But I will always pray for people to be healed and for a miracle to happen. And and let me say, if you want to convince me otherwise, you're too late. I've seen and experienced it for myself. 
I've experienced it firsthand. I've gone down and I've, I remember ministering in Lima, Peru with a, an auditorium full of people and they were bringing the sick up to lay hands on. The missionary said, Don, come up here again, pray for the sick. The first person in front of me was, was the person that came in a walker that couldn't hardly even get there on themselves. And, and that's like the first person, I'm like, can I start with someone that's got like a headache? I'm looking for the missionary and he, go, he left and went somewhere else. I'm like, like but, but I realized it wasn't me. I don't heal anybody, I don't do miracles. God does, but I wanted to be obedient. I was going to believe God no matter what. And I think my prayer was, and they, they didn't speak English, only Spanish. And I just cried, help God. <laughs> and you know what? After I prayed, I grabbed their hand and I started walking them real slowly. We walked across from the auditorium. And then by the time we did about two times, they started running across the auditorium and left the walker there. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. I don't really care about that. <laughs> if you, what you think, I know what I saw and I know what I felt. And if you're going to try and convince me otherwise, it's too late. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it, seen it in my own life. It was one time I, I went to Guatemala. I was in Guatemala for six weeks, and I don't know what I ate, but I ate something that wasn't good, and I brought some Guatemala home with me. You know, I just, it was, I, got, I was so sick. I was so sick. I lost a lot of weight in a short period of time, the hard way, and it was really bad. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor looked, and they couldn't find, I can't, I can, we can't find out what the problem is. I got elevated this in my liver and all this other kind of stuff, but they couldn't find out what the problem is, so they didn't know how to treat it. Six, probably another six weeks of experiencing that and the pain and discomfort of all that. And my mom was preaching one Wednesday night. I think it was a Wednesday night. She was preaching, and she said, I really feel God wants to just people to be healed and, and call for a healing line. I was the first one in line. It didn't matter that I was on staff. I just I jumped right in line with everybody else. I don't care. Hey, I needed a miracle from God. And so that she prayed, they prayed. I didn't feel any different. I didn't feel this warmth come over my body. This light from heaven didn't shine. I didn't fall out under the power. All those things are great and wonderful. If you've experienced them, blessed you. I just went home the next night, went to bed, woke up, and nothing wrong. I felt great and fine, and they couldn't find anything that wrong anymore. I, if you want to convince me otherwise, you're too late. I know it to be real. I don't know why it works sometimes and doesn't or why he does how he does. When I get to heaven one day, we'll know, but we won't care. And we'll say, ah, you're a smart God. You know exactly what's going on. We need to bring back the power. And, and I don't be, mean like it's left this church. I, 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 believe it's, I, I believe the body of Christ has moved away from it. And if we're going to reach... And do our job, be on mission, with our mandate, with our message, we need to be people of power. And we need to not care what the world says. Goofy, weird, church, whatever. Hey, fine. That's okay, I'll take it. Because I'd rather believe that God is a miracle-working God than settle for this world has to offer. Because we know that about God, amen? John 10, John 10, 38, New Living Translation says, but if I, this is Jesus, but if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe in me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. What Jesus is saying is you cannot separate Jesus and the power. So why are churches trying to separate? Why are Christians trying to separate Jesus and the power? Like we're gonna water down the gospel. When I love Jesus with everything, but I'm just not real sure about this power. Jesus is saying, you can't separate us. We're one and the same. And that should mark you and I as well. We don't separate that. I love Jesus as he says that we are one and the same. If you love me, then walk in the power. I, it doesn't have to be weird. And it doesn't have to be man-made. And let me say this. I know there's a lot of hype that happens at times. Can I, can I, can I say this? God knows what's 
man-made and what's not? God knows that. I'll get to that in a second. Kind of got ahead of myself there. Hey, it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be man-made. God's power is real. And the part that we play in it, the only part that we play in it is just believe him. Trust him. You don't have to heal anybody. You don't have to convince anybody. You don't have to talk anybody into anything. You don't have to. You, you trust God. He's the one who heals. He's the one with the power. The responsibility and burden is not yours. Yours is just to be obedient. And let me, let me give you an easier word maybe to understand and grab a hold of than faith. Let me say it this way. Your attitude. Your attitude. Your, ad- needs, your attitude needs to be, yes, Lord. Your attitude needs to be, I don't understand it, but I'm going to believe it. And people say, are you that faith church, that church that believes in faith? I say, yeah, you know what I'm going to say? We're that church with an attitude. <laughs> I, maybe that wouldn't sound so well. I don't know. <laughs> but we need to have that attitude of, yes, Lord. I don't understand it all, but yes, Lord, our faith, our trust in God, that's our attitude. Faith is your attitude. I don't know how he does it. I don't know when he does it, why he does it. I just believe that he does it. I just trust God. Let's take a look at one story and I got to close. Luke 18, 35 through 43 says this, as Jesus approached Jericho, Jesus is passing through Jericho. He encounters the blind man, blind Bartimaeus. As Jesus approached Jericho, which is interesting to me, Jericho and that day, Jericho literally means place of the moon which means it was to the children of God or the people of God, it was a pagan place. So the nickname for Jericho was place with a curse, city with a curse, if you will, the nickname. They looked at it, place of the moon, city with a curse. So as Jesus approached the city with a curse, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. Bartimaeus, let me just an interesting fact. Bartimaeus means son of the unclean or son of the filthy one. So here is the son of the filthy one in the place of the curse when Jesus is walking by. When he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked, what's happening, what's going on? They told him that it was Jesus and Nazarene was going by. And so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And look what the church people said to him, be quiet. The people in front yelled at him, hey, be quiet, what is wrong with you? And he shouted even louder, I love that. Here's how I read this story. Jesus is walking by and the, the unclean one, the son of the of the filthy one in the place of the curse, heard Jesus is walking by, the power is walking by, because you can't separate the two. And then he's blind and he yells out, he hears who it is, he yells out, Jesus, son of David, and all the church people, religious people, hey, be quiet back there, hey, be quiet back there. And he must have said, oh, who's saying that? You people that can see? Who's telling me to be quiet? You well people? You people that are healed and whole? You're telling me to be quiet? Oh, you guys must not have any problems then. You guys must be okay. You must not have any needs, or you just might not be as desperate as I am to get mine met. Can I tell you, I hope we're louder than anybody else. We're more desperate than anybody else for the power and presence of God to be here with us. I don't care what anybody says. Jesus didn't come for the well. He came for the sick. So I would have been awesome if Bartimaeus looked at him and said, you people who are see are telling me to, who can see are telling me to be quiet, seriously? That'd be awesome in the scripture, but I didn't write it. So anyway, so. But he shouted, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped. You know, you, you know Jesus, Jesus was on his way, passing by. He was headed somewhere. But, but, he, but he cried out to him, his, his passionate cry, Jesus stopped. He didn't manipulate him. He, he didn't try and control him because you can't. And, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, Jesus is like the Santa Claus or whatever. Or we, you know, 
slot machine and we're just trying to get, we're trying to manipulate control. It's not that. It was a passionate plea that he tried out and Jesus stopped, cried out and Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And they asked the man, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the obvious thing, they'd be like, what, seriously? You can't tell? And he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith, your attitude has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God and all who saw praise God too. Let me give you a couple things as we close. Here's what we need to do as, an, as individuals. Here's what we need to do as families. Here's what we need to do as a church that we see in the story. Number one, we need to be passionate. We need to be passionate about the power of God. We need to come passionate about the power of God before we get here. We need to come be passionate about the power of God before we hear a message about the power of God. We need to be passionate about the power of God before we sing songs about the power of God. We need to be passionate. Hey, if you're saved and born again and Jesus is Savior and Lord, you need to be passionate about the power and presence of God before you ever roll onto this campus. Create an, a, a passionate place of expectancy. And I'm not talking, here's where I'm going now. I'm not talking about hype. We get in here and hype it up. Well, you just hype it up with all that fast music. You hype it up with all that exhorting. You're yelling, shouting, preaching loud. You just, you just hype it up. Can I tell you, God knows the difference between hype and passion. He sees our hearts. Other people may not. You may not be able to tell the difference, but God can. But what's from the heart? So we need to be passionate from our heart. God's looking for passion, Jeremiah 29, 13, New Living Translation. If you look for me wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. If you look for me, if you praise and worship me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. And if you give wholeheartedly, you'll find me. If you serve wholeheartedly, you'll find me. He's looking for someone with passion about the things of God. God's looking for some passion. Number two, be persistent. They told him to be quiet. So here's the question. Well, what if God doesn't heal me? Well, then ask him again tomorrow. If he doesn't heal me then, ask him the next day. Shout a little louder, maybe. I don't know. I shared this with you. It's been about 10 years. I've, I've been believing God for some healing and something for about 10 years. I, my, my regular prayer time in the morning, I, I ask him for that. I, I trust him for that and turn praise and worship today. So what happens tomorrow when I wake up? I'll ask him again. I'll ask him again. I'll thank him again for his, his power to heal me. Ask him again. Be persistent. Be persistent. Uh, Luke 18.1, here's what it says. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray, never give up. We're going to be a people, we're going to be a church that prays and never, ever, ever, ever gives up. And we will believe in the power of God till either he comes or to get us and take us there or we go to see him. That's it. We're going to lean in and press into the power of God and never, ever give up. Be precise. Jesus asked, what do you want? Tell God what you want and tell him clearly. Quit being wishy-washy or just some generic OL. He's asking for a reason. James 4, 2 says this. You do not have because you do not ask. Well, God knows. Well, tell him. Be specific. What do you need? Are you kidding? I had people help me get over here. God, I'm blind. No, tell me what you need, Barnabas. I want to see. So I ask, I ask God all the time, specifically. I ask God today to to heal people and save people today, specifically. I'm asking God for souls every time we gather. I'm asking God for healing every time we gather. I'm asking him to restore marriages. I'm asking him to restore families. I'm asking him to help us build a playground that's inclusive of all children, not just some. I'm asking him for a big ticket item, but I'm asking him, and I'm not afraid to ask, and I won't apologize for asking. We're gonna ask God. We're going to ask God for souls. 
change lives. We're going to ask God for that. I'm asking God for 3,000 people on Easter Sunday. You need to ask with me. I'm asking God for over 150 salvations. I'm asking God for 10% more souls this year than last year. I'm asking God for all the things we need financially. I'm asking him. You have not because you ask not. I won't apologize for it. I want you to ask with me. Can we ask all this together? Well, people say, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. Oh, no. You have not because you ask not. We're going to ask. Number four, be positive. Be positive. It says your faith has healed you. Positive. Have confidence in your God. Don't listen to the negative voices. Don't listen to the people around you. You know, there's several times in the Bible where Jesus healed. He did it a number of times. He did it, especially when he raised the dead. And he, he sent the other people out of the tomb. Get out of here. Go out of there. Take that mourning and crying and go out of there. Take the negative attitudes out of there. That's okay. Sometimes you need to stop the negative attitudes and voices in your life. Quit listening to them. Quit listening to them. And you need to listen to God. And you stay positive. Not let that affect you. Stay positive. Sometimes you need to shut out the negativity. Even the people that love you so much, and God bless them for loving you, but you know what? Sometimes you need to just not listen to the negativity anymore. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Believe that it's yours. Believe that it's yours. This is Jesus talking here. Number five, be a person of praise. The last thing, the son of the filthy in the city of the curse did was praise God. He gave God praise. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, Bible, how do I do that? But in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, with praise, present your request to God. Be a person of praise. In other words, thank him before you even get it. It moves your faith. So we thank him in advance. Thank him for it. Let me close with the scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 5, Amplified. Holding a form Don't be a place holding to a form of outward godliness or religion, although denying the power. For their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. We claim to be people of faith, but no power. Avoid such people and keep away from them. I am not going to lead a church. I'm not going to be a person or a pastor. Not going to lead a church. Have a church of people that believe in a form of godliness, but no power. I don't want to be a people that claim to know Jesus, love Jesus, serve Jesus, and not have the power that comes with Jesus. And so that is what we have an opportunity to continue to be, but perhaps in a greater capacity. As I believe we're standing at a very pivotal moment in time, 2020, first fruit year, lean in with me, press in with me. Let this year, 2020, in this church, in your life, in your marriage, in your family, be a first fruit year, especially in the area of leaning into the power of God and position your life and this church and its mission for an amazing decade, 2020, to reach our area and around the world, but especially reach an emerging generation that's getting harder and harder to reach. But no one can deny the power of God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. That in this moment, I've asked you before I ever got here, I asked you yesterday, I asked you all week, Father God, I asked you for this moment 
for people to be healed and whole in Jesus' name. I asked you for cancer to fall off of people. I asked you for diabetes to leave. I asked you for depression to leave. I asked you for heart conditions to leave. I asked you, Father God, for flu to leave. I asked you, Father God. I asked you for marriages to be restored. I asked you, Father God, for families to be put back together. I asked you, Father God, for people to find freedom from addictions and bondages. I asked you, Father God, and therefore I believe that that which we ask for, Father God, is coming to pass in Jesus' name. I thank you for your miracle working power right now, Father God, touching every heart, every life in this place. I thank you for healing flowing in this place in Jesus' name. And I take authority over the assignment of the devil. I take and rebuke the assignment of the devil in Jesus' name. Devil, you have no place here. You take your hands off these people. You take your hands off these marriages. You take your hands off these families. You take your hands off these finances. You take your hands off these bodies. You take your hands off these minds. In Jesus' name. We will not stand idly by and be people without power. We will stand in the place of authority in Jesus' name and operate in the power that you've given to every believer in the mighty name of Jesus, and we declare it to be so. This place, we will know and experience the power of God. And from this place, the power of God, the power of God will fall on this place and will flow from this place in Jesus' name. We will receive the power of God and we will release the power of God outside these walls, Father God. We will not contain it just here because really, Father God, it's meant for out there more than in here, perhaps. And we will be a church, Father God, that believes your word to be true, that this will not be a church with a form of godliness and no power. This will be a place that we believe in and operate in and experience the power of God. And we thank you, Father God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.